Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. It's good to be with you once again. And this, this is a solo podcast. Because I had something happen that really made me think. And also, sort of helped with how I was feeling in my head. You see, I recently lost my sister. She had an accident where she lived in in her home, um, where she lived with my father. And uh, she went into a coma, put her on a ventilator, and a week, a few days later, had to let her go. This has basically put me in stasis. I stopped. I mean that I stopped really doing business. I stopped doing my podcast. I stopped doing my rooms on Clubhouse. I just couldn't seem to go forward. And I I couldn't articulate what it was. And and other than being incredibly sad, there was something else that I couldn't put my finger on. I didn't know how to name it. I I didn't know how to change it. I, I didn't really know what it was. And then, you know, time doesn't stop because we're not on this ride we call life. Time doesn't wait for us while we, you know, poke about or sit in silence or do God knows what, because I have no idea what I was doing. You know, weeks and weeks, months and pie. And, uh, well, the story's like this. I have a little dog. She's a little chihuahua. And every morning, I take her on a walk through the park. And last year, I began meeting with uh, all these people whose kids go to the school that's very close to the park. 
uh, there was a woman that I used to see walking her dog. Her dog is much bigger than mine. But very friendly, lovely dog. And one morning, I happened to see her with this group of people, and they all had dogs. I've known this lady for well, about a year and a half. And walking through that day, I stopped and said hello and had to I maneuvered my little dog who's very nervous and was never well socialized. That's a whole other story. This wonderful person who is a Chihuahua breeder, uh, not the one where I got my dog, but who has been working with us uh, to help our dog, suggested that I take my dog around other dogs and basically, you know, don't upset the dog. Don't be nervous or worried about other dogs in the area. Had a, a not great run-in with a dog who savaged my dog many years ago that caused untold problems, and the death of my Yorkie. So I was a little nervous to have this little four-pound dog around other dogs. But I decided it was really important for her, my dog, to be socialized and have the best life she could. So I began meeting with these people every day and standing around, basically ignoring my dog and just letting her be around the people, the kids, the dogs. And as we all know, kids can be loud and they run around and what have you. All the dogs in our neighborhood, they know that when they see Kaylee, there is someone with a left side pocket that will, of course, have liver treats. See, I always have liver treats in my pocket. So all the dogs, wherever we go, are always going nuts to get close to me. It's actually kind of fun. I love dogs. I love all animals, to be honest. So after my sister died, everyone was very kind. I'd been coming, you know, for four weeks since then, and you know, time has gone by. And this one morning, the kids, some of some of the, the boys, there's a, a a fairly large group of kids. Some of the boys were off in the distance a little where there's a, an enclosed uh, sort of baby park and they were up against the fence and they called out to their mom and said that they had found a bird, a little bird. 
And it was, I guess, up close against this chain link fence between the, the path through the park and this fence. And, you know, one of the women standing with us yells over to the kids, asking them what they're doing. And when they said they found a bird, they said they think it's dead. And the women are telling them to leave it alone. And one of the kids says, no, no, there's blood on its face. And I don't think it's dead. I immediately thought it important to go check on the bird to see if it was injured. And my friend, who didn't have her dog that day, she was going into the office. She walked over with me because she was walking back to her car as the kids were leaving to go to school. And we go over to this area and there on the ground is a beautiful female cardinal. And there's quite a bit of blood on her beak. And at first I couldn't get close enough to really see what had happened, but I saw the blood. And my friend had been there earlier with her dog and she said she didn't see the bird and, and none of us saw a dog or, or anything, you know, savaging the bird. We weren't quite sure what was going on. Her feathers were ruffled on one side. Um, her, her wings looked okay. And it, it just seemed really kind of odd. So I decided to lean down and get a little closer. And the blood was on her face. And in fact, her beak was completely cracked through on one side. Now at this point, I have my dog, Kaylee. I tell her to sit and she really has no interest in the bird. And quite honestly, the bird didn't care about her either. The little bird, as I got closer, just sort of moved her wings a little. I thought, okay, good, you can move. And she took two little hops. I thought, okay, this is something. My friend said she had to go off to work. So I said, well, I don't wanna just leave her here, the bird. I'll just stay here for another few minutes and see if perhaps she flies off or what happens. So I had absolutely nothing like, that I could put the bird in or, or any way to, to pick it up. And Kaylee, my dog, was not bothering the bird at all. She was just standing sort of to one side of me. I could not have done that with any of my Yorkies. They, they're, they have a much higher prey drive, I guess. So I'm standing there wondering, what on earth can I do? And now the tears are running down my face. I'm so upset about this poor little bird. 
And I'm wondering, how can I help? What can I possibly do? And just then, there was this harsh, guttural, I don't know, squawk, almost in my ear. And I jumped. And when I turned my head, about three feet from my face, there was a hawk. And he was sitting on the chain link fence, basically at eye level. The fence is, I think, you know, four or five feet, nine, barely five foot two. And he was sitting there looking at me, like, who did I think I was? And I should just go away. And I looked at the little bird, and then I looked at the hawk, and I knew what had happened. He cracked her, her beak, or she. I don't know if the hawk was a male or a female. I just know the hawk had done it. So I flapped my arms and told it to go away. It's like, go on, get lost. You're not getting this bird. And crying the whole time. Go on, get lost. You're not going to touch her. At this point, I realized that anybody who's watching this would <laughs> be trying to get me hauled off to the nut house because I am literally standing less than three feet from this hawk with my dog, my little dog, watching well, what they probably couldn't even see the, the little cardinal. And thinking, oh my God, what do I do? I don't want to pick her up and stress her worse, but I'm not going to leave her here to be eaten by the hawk. So at that point, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I don't have a choice, but I've got big mitts on. So I went to lean down to check on her beak, realizing it is completely cracked through on that one side. So I, as I'm talking to the bird, yeah, I know that sounds crazy. Saying, okay, I, I'm going to move you maybe somewhere else so that you have a chance. She starts to look at me and turns her head and then kind of starts yelling at me. She's squawking at me. And it was weird because it wasn't a fearful squawk, it was like she was telling me off. And that just made me cry harder. So I'm barking at the hawk and it dawns on me. I pull out my camera, my phone, and I'm saying to the hawk, I'm gonna take your picture now, okay? I'm gonna get even closer to you. You should just go away. Well, I've got a picture of this hawk. The first picture, I was so close, I couldn't get his head in the picture. And my dog's looking at me like I'm crazy. The hawk is basically standing its ground. It's not going to move. It absolutely stays there. To so go on. Okay. I, I 
get close enough to shoo it with my hand, I almost touched the hawk and it just squawked at me. And I turned around and bent down to the little bird. And I had to get ready because I had a meeting in 10 minutes. I couldn't keep staying there. And as I leaned down, the little bird suddenly jumps up, takes a few steps, flies up into the air. And the hawk grabbed her. Here I am, standing in the park, bawling my eyes out with my little dog, walking home, feeling horrible. I get into my meeting. I'm trying to make myself look presentable. It turns out that my meeting was with a uh, a shamanic wisdom teachings coach. I wasn't meeting with her for myself. When I got into the meeting, I apologized for being a bit frazzled and said, I'm sorry, I was a little upset and was asked why when I explained about the bird and what had happened and how horrible it was that the hawk took the bird. And the shamanic woman turned to me and said, well, just a moment. It wasn't your place to interfere. And that's why the little cardinal told you off. Joe's, you know, that hawk probably had a family. She said, yes, this is nature. That hawk was trying to feed its family. And the, the uh, cardinal had already made its contract with the hawk. And I had no right to step in to try to stop it because it's nature in progress. She went on to say, the Cardinal has decided it's okay with being food for the little hawks or whatever, but it's not up to you. It's really not up to you. I thought, oh my God. And in that moment, I realized that who do I think I am? And in my head, I said, you know what? I get it, universe, God, whatever people want to call you. I don't have the right to step in all the time. I don't have the right to ride in on my white horse. And she was saying to me, you have to acknowledge that you, you can't change nature. 
So as a matter of fact, first thing you have to do is you have to grieve. You can't keep putting it off. You have to take some time for you. And then she said, you can't fix everything. And the way she said that hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like, oh my God. Here I've put myself in this weird stasis for weeks on end, trying to work and trying to live and eh, just kind of going through the motions. Because I'm so angry with me. I blame me for not being able to fix my sister. I wasn't able to save her. It was an incredibly tough day. Yet, it was a day of huge growth. And part of me feels so much better. Because normally, I wouldn't have said anything to anyone. I would have stewed and been angry in myself and not understood what I was angry at. I would never ever tell anybody and I would never ever cry in public. I was pretty unflappable for a really long time. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't have even told my husband. And yesterday, I told him the whole story. I told him what happened. I told him what the shamanic woman said. And I told him about the birds. And it's interesting because birds have actually come to our health when they've got caught in plastic rings or other things. And there've been a lot that I was able to help. But squirrels, chipmunks, all kinds of things. And yet here, the lesson here, what I needed to understand, the lesson was, I'm not God. I'm not the all-powerful universe. I'm just another human who has feelings and needs to learn to deal with them. And there are good days and there are bad days. And I did go back and do a clubhouse room and I told that story. And I told people a bit about my sister.
and I did feel better. And it's really funny when you get to a place and you realize that it's not just words. The things that I tell others, when I say when you share your story, you lighten your burden, I always knew that it was true, but it didn't walk my walk. I talked about it for everybody else, but I didn't know that it was important for me to do it for myself too, to understand that I can only be the fixer sometimes. The ultimate choices in life and the lives of others is not up to me. And the biggest lesson of all was that has to be okay. I have to be okay. And I have to be okay with not being okay. Because sometimes that's just how it is. We're not okay. But rather than running away from my feelings or stuffing things down deep where no one can reach them, I know now that it's okay and that I just have to continue to live in the moment, to hold on to the memories of those that I've lost and to continue to have a gratitude attitude for all the gifts that I have. For being able to breathe, for being able to talk to you here, for being able to tell you about my sister, my mom, my best friend. I hope within this story, you found some hope. And I look forward to the next time. In the meantime, make the very best of your today, every day. And remember, when you share your story, you do lighten your burden. So why not share yours? Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results.